So tell me about your mustache. I'm really that's actually that's the opening question. I when anytime I'm talking to anybody, I say, "So tell me about that mustache." Makes it really uncomfortable when it's a woman. It started out. My goal was to let it get super long for the Halloween. Like my Halloween costume was going to be like an old school barber. I was going to curl it at the tips. I think I might go wider. Jaber Crow? Huh? <laughs> no, he. I no? think he was clean shaven. Uh, I might go wider. Doc Holiday now though it's getting it's a lot bushier than I expected. But so I'm trimming for those of you that can't see. And that's everyone listening. He's awkwardly stroking his beard right now. I don't... Well, no, I was going to say, I trimmed the beard. I'm yeah. like, I'm keeping the beard short, but I'm letting the mustache just go. That's what was a little shocking. Well, I I saw you had a picture on social media. Uh, yeah. And got a little pushback on the stash. People... But, it, but like, looking at it now, it doesn't look as violent in person it's, as it does. It's coming at me. I'm a little <laughs> fearful. Do you hear my voice trembling? <laughs> and I can do... Hang on. I can, like, I can start to shape it a little... Yeah, your mustache is smiling at me. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, there you go. I don't have any wax, but I can curl it. I can't. I can't, I can't take this seriously I feel right like now. Like Snidely is, Whiplash, remember him? It's amazing. Rocky and Bullwinkle, I think. So, so tell me you, about your mustache. Were you the kid that could grow a stash in like sixth grade? Oh, no, no. It took even, a while. Even in college, I don't think my beard's good now. Right here, it's real splashy. Yeah. Now, my cousin Jason Harris, Central Buna. My man. That dude could shave this morning and he would have a full beard by That's lunch. That's a full-grown man beard. Yeah, it is. And it grows fast and thick and it's the real deal. Yeah. So, no. So, anyways, uh, grow a beard, you can be more godly. Isn't it's, that what Spurgeon is, said? It is getting in the way of like my food. and I have to be careful now. Today, I was eating a sandwich and every bite that I took, like I would bite, I could feel myself biting into my mustache Yikes. hairs, like I was plucking them out. So I have to like, move it out of the that's way. That's that's disturbing. Get out of the way. Oh, okay. Be there sure to continue to use that microphone. Let's not get these crossed up. <laughs> there we go. I think I'm ready now. Let's record a podcast. <laughs> Well, hey, everybody. I'm Jared Hollier. He's Rusty Mutt. Greetings. This is one hour a week or hashtag one H-A-W as Rusty's been I doing. usually just say one H-W, but Pat has been including the and. One hall. Yeah. Hashtag one hall. One H-W. It just looks cool. Like we could have a sticker, kind of like the 13.1, except it just says one H-W. One H-W. Who would slap that on their windshield? Anybody? Or the back of their car? Anybody? It's kind of like endurance, just like a marathon. You have listened to us and put up with it for an entire episode. You deserve a sticker. What about the people who only listen to half an episode, like running half a marathon? Just one and half of an H. Which, by the way, I've run a half marathon, and people who hate on the 13.1 stickers, I just want to point out, I didn't run half a marathon. I ran a half marathon. Of course, mm. that was a long time ago, but people get real like, oh, I don't put a, you don't get to brag if you read half a book. Shut up. You're laying out on this one. I'm just praying for you. Uh, just some stuff you need to work through. Remember, this isn't this isn't a counseling session, Jared, Remember when okay? we were going to run a half marathon? Those were good times. Yeah, and then we, then were we like, just ate instead. Yeah, let's just... You know what? I will have the large gelato. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Instead of running a half marathon, like, we should be in the throes of training right yeah. now. Yeah, we But instead, three weeks Saturday out. night, we were th- throwing down... Oh my gosh! Uh, very unhealthy food. That was the best seafood I've had in years. It though. was a it was a good time, man. It was we good. Had alligator. We should have recorded an episode live from Papa a seafood Do. restaurant. Are you not going to say Papa Do? Well, I want them to pay for the free advertising. <laughs> you know, hey, hey everybody, uh, if you go to Papa Do, 
Tell them we sent you. And, and go to that say, back room that we got to go to. That, ask for I Jack. Think, you want your waiter to be Jack. You want your waiter to be Jack. And they knew that they had a couple of celebrities on their hands. So they ushered us directly to the back room, carpeted and everything. <laughs> the service was, eh, they kind of forgot we were back there. But we got to talk and listen to each other. It was really weird. I think really what happened is they saw my mustache and they were like, we got to keep this convict away from the general population. <laughs> That's exactly right. So we got the solitary confinement So it wasn't room. because we're celebrities. Don't ruin my segue. Sorry. Hey, speaking of celebrities, huh? uh, sorry, I was slow, slow on the pickup there. <laughs> hey, well, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about celebrities in culture and Christian celebrities in culture. How excited we Christians get when we find out we've got one. Oh, man. So we're going to take it from two We approaches. got a one, brother. <laughs> Not the good one, though. <laughs> we're going to take it from two different angles. We're going to talk first about kind of the Christian celebrity culture, how we elevate people within the the evangelical bubble and elevate them. But then also we are going to talk a little bit about when we find out in the secular world, oh, he's one of us and how that just naturally attracts our attention. Like we'll buy their jerseys if we find out they're a Christian. Oh yeah. And so this conversation started because uh, Derek Webb, let's just do it. D Webbs has a new album out. I, I know, I'm sure you listen to him a lot too, right? Uh, yes. In college, I'm sure most of our listeners are in this similar generation. Cademan's called Derek Webb. That house show CD he had was real important. I think I talked about that on our Influence episode last season. So he has a new album out called Fingers Crossed, and he described this album as being about two divorces, uh, one from his wife and one from the faith. And if you listen to the album and read the lyrics, it's pretty obvious that he's no longer a believer. And it was kind of a gut shot uh, for a lot of people who look up to him, like his music, like him as a person, really kind of liked his free thinking. He was on the fringes of, of belief and faith for a couple of years, and now it just seems like he's outright not a believer anymore. So it's a blow to our, I don't want to say a blow to our ego. What is it? It's a, it's a disappointing thing. Yeah, I think when you put, again, we've talked about this in, in lots of different contexts, but when you put anybody up on a pedestal, uh, they're just waiting to fall. And it's kind of hard to watch him fall. When yeah, you he had didn't fall, though. He jumped. Yeah, that, that, that's true. That's so. actually a really good way to put that. Yeah, it's tough to think about that, tough to kind of walk through that. And we've seen this happen before. We've seen people uh, that were once in the faith who kind of veer outward and seem to be going a direction that they end up getting farewelled. Farewell, Rob Bell. Right? Yeah. One of our favorite jokes. I th- have we talked about the farewell thing I, at length? I think when well, Jared we and I it. love to farewell people. Uh, so... It's, uh, or things. It's tough. Or well, things. Yeah, well, farewell yeah. a bad cup of coffee. <laughs> farewell half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so when Rob Bell had a, new, a book come out a couple years ago, uh, Love Wins, is that? It was Love Wins, yeah. Uh, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, so where he, uh, is basically universalism was the theme of the book, that hell isn't real and God's going to save everybody. And John Piper's response to that book coming out was just one tweet. Farewell, Rob Bell. And people who knew what he was doing knew what he was doing. It was a little cryptic for outsiders. I see you, Pipes. (laughs) So, but we do that with so many. It's weird that there is this Christian celebrity culture. Uh, Rob Bell, I mean, we could rattle off. If if we were walking into a coffee shop and we saw Chris Tomlin sitting over there or Matt Chandler (gasps) or... We would, wouldn't we? (gasps) Yeah, Um, and it's, it's really odd because we do... 
the way we kind of tend to elevate people to, and I think specifically for us, music does kind of seem to be in the entertainment realm yeah. for the most part. So I almost get it with that. But we have legitimately, quote, I'm using quotes here. That's why I said the word quote, celebrity preachers. And what a ridiculous term that is. It should, it's an oxymoron yeah. and it should be an oxymoron. But when I say celebrity preacher, people pop into your mind. And we're just not talking about the Osteens and the ones that we think are nuts and crazy. We, we are talking about the Matt Chandlers, yeah. the Andy Stanleys, the whoever you might listen to, Chuck Stanley or Charles. The friends call him Chuck and I'm a friend. So just whatever you may call them, they, they do get kind of elevated to that status. Um, and that's weird. Yeah, it is. It's funny too. I've always thought the Dove Awards was really funny. The Christian, because they're like, because every artist at every performance says, all glory to God. And then the Dove Awards are like, okay, but who's the best at giving all glory to That's God? That's right. So, Amen. No offense to our Dove Award winners in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, so, but it is something that we do to them. I don't. And by the way, I can answer that question. The one who's the best is Micah Tyler. I'm looking so, at you. Give that guy a Dove. <laughs> Release some Doves. Um, is it, he's nominated this year, isn't I he? I believe so. For Best New Artist or something? Is it bad that I don't really know? I'm just kind of going oh, with yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I think I saw that on a video. Uh, what were you even talking about? I, so I'm sure that there are some guys out there who are using the Christian label to get to success, but I think a lot of times it probably is people who just started off humbly and we as a Christian culture buy in and elevate them, which is why it's so easy for us to do it to quote unquote secular celebrities too, uh, when we find out that, oh, we got one, a Tim Hey-o. Tebow or uh, I literally Googled today, Christian celebrities and there were all these <laughs> websites, you know, People Magazine and Hollywood Reporter and oh, all these yeah. who were like, the 10 most powerful Christians in Hollywood. Denzel nothing goes, Washington. And nothing goes more viral than a Hollywood type or famous musician, just a famous athlete, famous in general person using some vague spiritual phrase, period. It becomes a fake news website that says, people were shocked when Denzel said this about God. Yeah, And, and like, it's going to get shared 25,000 times. And everybody was like, he's a Christian. That's so cool. And I'm like, have you seen his last movie? Uh, it happened with Chris Pratt a couple of Easter's ago. Yeah. On an Easter, which maybe Chris Pratt is a devout I hope he's a believer. believer. I don't know. He's got divorced, which happens with believers even, but. But he, sun, Easter Sunday morning, he woke up and they, they hiked up a hill and put a cross on top of the hill. And next thing, you, I mean, you would have thought that he was the next yeah. Matt Chandler or or something. And then because, you go see his latest movie filled with expletives was and it? all of that. It's, it's just bizarre. You know, it's not like they're, you know, it's not like there's Chris Pratt articles and the next thing you know, he's starring in a movie with the people from Facing the Giants, right. Sherwood or whatever. Cameron. Yeah, uh, it's it's like, hey, I'm a believer and now watch this, which again, we could get, we're not really here to get into the Christian art conversation. That might be another conversation in and of itself, a whole episode. But it, it's just strange because what I told you last week, we were actually talking about politics when we talked about this. But for me, I think there's this really unhealthy craving to be accepted by popular culture yeah. among Christians. Uh, and and even those of us who are hipster enough to kind of act like we want to push back against that, mm-hmm. we do want to be liked by the, the secular culture at large. 
And so when we see somebody that all of the secular culture likes and values and elevates and find out that they're supposedly a Christian, there's something in us that almost gets validated That's by that. That's exactly the word I was going to so, use. So when Tebow scores a touchdown and is doing great and, you know, has John 316 on his eye black, mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, amen. That's what I'm talking about. And get all excited because in some way it validates us being a Christian because they're good at their craft. And that's really odd to me. Yeah, and it's strange that we we do crave that. It goes back to what you always say, uh, that we have to find our validation just in Christ, period. So I don't know what it, if it's insecurity or if it's just a lack of trust in Christ completed work. I don't know what it is about us, but and it, it could just be part of the culture we're in. We just like celebrities, period. In general. There's a reason that People Magazine and reality TV and E! News are our industries. And so when and we- And that you honestly, and I'm not saying that this happens to me often, but have you ever been like, sometimes we'll switch the TV from Netflix or DVD back to the regular cable or whatever, or whatever you may have. And it just ends up on TMZ or something. And next thing you know, you're like, I've watched 15 minutes of paparazzi chasing random people around. Like, what just happened? Like, do I really care what Shia LaBeouf had for lunch? No. Apparently I do. But I know. Yeah, it's very odd. Would you watch a reality show about a quote unquote celebrity Christian? In a heartbeat. Yeah, that says something about me. If if Matt Chandler came out and was like, look, uh, Bravo has approached my family and I, and they're going to do... Well, there was a celebrity Christian who was the uh, the author and pastor over in Austin who had a... On TLC or something. The Hatmakers. Oh, the Hatmakers, Brandon yeah. and Jen Hatmaker. Yeah. She's a, he's a pastor. Farewell, she's, Jen Hatmaker, by the way. Uh, uh, she's popular author and Christian conference speaker, and they did have... Again, that's kind of... Pro- but anyway, Chip sorry. and Joanna Gaines. Yeah. Part of the reason Christians. their show is so successful, it's not just that she I don't know uses why I had to use that. Sorry. <laughs> ship lap and that they're good at their job, but because they're Christians and the evangelical yeah. culture has just bitten in hard to what they're doing. Again, they're good at what they do, but there's no doubt that part of their success is directly because yeah. they're Christians. Well, well, let's kind of look at something we didn't really talk about in our pre-production meeting. Uh, the idea that even our culture, there is an antagonistic view towards Christianity when you look at that. There are people who their full-time gig is trying to take down Chip and Joanna Gaines. Right. Uh, do you remember there were there were ads when Tebow mania was happening saying offering lots of money to any women who would come forward saying, say, yeah. you know, to discredit Tim Tebow. And just that's fo- the height of foolishness. Yet uh, it's our, our culture. So the weird thing is, as obsessed as Christians are with celebrity culture, celebrities and celebrity culture and the secular culture is kind of also obsessed with that little sect that is Christian celebrity. Yeah. And I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole watching a lot of Norm MacDonald videos yesterday. Don't <laughs> ask. Go. But one of them I saw, apparently he was a judge on uh, Last Comic Standing, which is a, like a reality competition show for stand-up comics. And the clip that I watched, I clicked on it because it said, Norm MacDonald tears down anti-Christian comedian. And I was like, oh, I've got to see this. Norm might be a Christian. <laughs> no, but what it was is it was this guy who stood up and told a couple of jokes about, oh, you read the Bible? Yeah, I've read Harry Potter too. And the audience just went crazy. And uh, one of the judges was like, oh, that was really brave. And Norm MacDonald said, eh, I don't think it was brave at all. He says, you're in Hollywood and you stand up and you make a couple of jokes about how you don't believe the Bible. That's not brave at all. That's 
mainstream as it gets. There's nothing brave about that, which I don't think Norm MacDonald is a believer yeah. at all. But even he realizes that it is popular. It's to, an easy shot. Yeah, it is. It's a cheap and shot. who doesn't want to be popular? That's right. the weird thing. And I see this with some of my friends on social media uh, who I, I'm assuming wouldn't be listening to this. And if they are, I hope they understand that I love them and I'm not saying names or anything. But there, there is an aspect of even some of the political alignment and the theological views they take and the people that they tend to gravitate towards are those who are popular within the culture, regardless of what that looks like in the Bible. And again, I know we're straying off topic mm-hmm. a bit, but what I'm saying is in that, if we're listening to the wrong voice to find, if we're trying to find our validation in celebrities yeah. and acceptance from the broader culture, not only when it comes to the issue of celebrity, but with all the issues in our lives, that is a bad way to go. Do you think that... We go to conferences, you know, we went to, yeah. you know, Together for the Gospel or uh, the Gospel GGC. Coalition. We're talking about going to Together for the Gospel. Uh, you know, there's there's a conference somewhere in the country every month and you can rattle off the, you know, the, the conference speaking circuit. Yeah. And it depends on which circle you run in. You know, to us, would you, we would be more excited to see Tim Keller or uh, than Mark Driscoll. Yeah. But even that, the fact that we have different circles, I mean, that's kind of like saying, oh, do you watch MTV what or channel? VH1? Right, that's exactly what it is. So do big conferences, I mean, you and I who attend them, we would say it's beneficial, but is that something that it, as an evangelical culture, feeding like do we need culture. to reexamine that? I do think there is a little bit, and you've heard me say that, and I've said this on the podcast, and it really is true. And again, I'll, I'll give him a shout out again. I do listen to other preachers, but today I listened to another sermon from our friend Derek Hicks. Yeah. And, and I did it because I believe we need to be listening to preachers who are in the same position as us because it does create this desire for a bigger platform when we are listening to all of those celebrity pastors and all that kind of stuff. And we end up, our, our messages kind of end up getting shaped by yeah. celebrity culture and what's more acceptable to a wider audience than what God has called us to do right at the context that we find ourselves in. I even think about when I used to go to the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, I went for 10 years in a row, 14,000 people in a big arena in Atlanta, Georgia. And hearing Matt Chandler, Francis Chan, David Platt, Donald Miller, um, you know, people who write the books that we buy and read. And have I told, I've told you the story about what I said like year one when yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to preach one time down there one day. And my pastor David was like, what if you never do? I mean, and he was making the same point. Like, yeah. We're not all called to be these big guys. But yeah. I just wonder. Because I don't think any of these guys that we, and again, there's probably some that do, but I don't think they wake up in the morning and go, okay, how am I going to build my platform today? But because they have that platform, the danger is that there are guys like us who do wake up and do that. Yeah, and that's the biggest danger in all of it, I think, kind of spinning this back towards you and me, and not just you and me, but I'm talking our culture and everybody listening. I think we can spend a ton of time instead of working for the kingdom and trying to build the kingdom, we try to build our platform. Yeah, but we justify it by saying, well, yeah, but my platform is bigger. That means more people are hearing me talk about Jesus. Yeah. But really, whose glory am I after? We we peddle the gospel to build our platform yeah. to a certain extent. Um, I, I heard a sermon this morning from Charles Stanley, and I'm not an avid Charles Stanley listener, but one of my elders at the church said, hey, I think you would benefit from this message message received guys but it was it was simply a 20 minute kind of more of a talk he started with the passage but it really more of conversation about prayer in the pulpit and he talked about prayer before you go 
uh, into the pulpit, you know, prayer in the preparation, prayer in the proclamation. Mm -hmm. And then um, the last thing was prayer after it's over. And he said, one of the first things he always does is as soon as he's done praying or preaching, you know, everyone's going to come up and be like, man, that was good. That was so good. That was, man, thank you so much. And he said, of course, you always said, well, all the glory to God, all the right. glory to God. He said, I try to find a way as quick as I can to get to my study, to get to my room. And I hit my knees and I legitimately give that glory over to yeah. God in private. And he said, it's, it's easy to say all the glories to God, but pride comes in quick if you don't hit your knees. And that just, that hit, talk about a gut punch. I was like, dang, that's heavy because I, I do think we all know the right words to say. Mm -hmm. We all know how to, we, we all know how to say we're building the kingdom and we can make our platform building look like kingdom building yeah. really easily. But at the end of the day, are we really tweeting and posting and preaching for the glory of God and, and to steal his phrase from that message today, are we preaching and doing all those things to um, make an impact or are we doing it to impress people? That was his phrase. Sorry, I screwed that phrase all up. But basically he said, are you trying to impress or are you trying to impact? impact. That's good. And I was like, wow, that's a heavy thought. Um, because I think sometimes in my mind, I go in thinking, man, I hope these people receive this well. Instead of, I hope God speaks to them and changes their lives. I think it's good too, though, that even the awareness that that's a possibility shows that we're thinking about it to some extent, which is probably healthy. So yeah. pat us, come here, let me pat you yeah. on the back. And, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but we keep coming back to this idea too, that we need to have people in our lives that are willing to say, hey, I've noticed, you know, it happened to me this year. Uh, I, I'll confess here, I've talked about it with you and with a couple of friends and um, that I did kind of get to that point where I was, I was getting some things, you know, preaching some camps and preaching some events and thought, hey, I might really make something of myself. And then uh, God was like, no, nah, you're not gonna do that. And so uh, thankfully he took some things away from me and I canceled some events and had some hard conversations, but we need to have people in our life that are willing to say, hey, you're getting a little too big for your britches. That's the exact phrase that Elizabeth used yeah. to me at one point was you're getting a little too big for your britches. Yeah. And I thought it was a fat joke. Like, well, buy me some new britches. That's right. That's not what she meant then. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, celebrity culture, not just in America, but in evangelicalism. So even evangelicalism mm -hmm. i'm rattling through my head now of i know we've got tim allen and patricia heaton the lady well, see you're kind of going conservative christian which is almost and when i say conservative i mean like political so those kind of that's they're christians but they kind of get that well i don't think you can be a guns liberal and bibles christian. tied over together i don't think you can be a liberal christian rusty that's another conversation the politics episode hasn't happened yet as a joke liberal friends so here so what do we so we think about it ourselves. We have people in our lives that are willing to call us out on it. What else can we do to guard against that from both, both ways, from feeding it, feeding into it, like we talked about earlier, but maybe even guarding against it ourselves where I don't want to build my platform. I really do want to build the kingdom. Prayer, hard conversations with friends, yeah. uh, keeping a close watch on ourselves. I think private life. Explain. Private. Again, the, the idea of prayer being the primary focus of everything we're doing and intently, consistently finding ourselves on our knees, praying and seeking out the Lord. Um, I think that's a place where you find humility. Um, pride kind of dies when you get on your knees before God. Yeah. And just kind of taking a minute to do that and to 
Um, so all those things you said have to happen for sure. Um, and remembering where the focus is. But I also think, I think in, in our heart of hearts, we know when our platform is ours and not the Lord's yeah. because it has the what Paul calls the appearance of godliness, but the lack of the power thereof. And I, I know you've been at that point. We've talked about that. And I think I've been at that point before where I find myself going through the motions and doing bigger and better things. But I know in the back of my mind that I'm not where I need to be and that it's not giving the glory to God. And those are the moments where I have to just have those hard conversations. And just like you said, saying no to some things. Yeah. Um, I, I've intentionally, in fact, probably in the last four or five months, I, I get to preach several places and I'm actually on my way to preach to one tonight, but I canceled, I said no to one a month ago that was probably a bigger opportunity than anyone I've had this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I told you all I was going to do that. And then I did it and immediately regretted it. Right. Like, right. Because I know, but in some ways there's something freeing in that. Um, so all of those things plus prayer. And then I would say this is rejoicing in the station in life in which you find yourself now. If you are longing for something bigger and better, like we've talked about on the podcast before, you're probably trying to build your platform instead of building the kingdom, rejoicing where God has you and laboring hard for the kingdom where you're at at this point in time, I think is a way to kind of keep us centered. I'll say two things. One, regardless of what you think about Derek Webb's new album, at least he's honest. Uh, yeah. So I do admire and appreciate that, that he's <clears throat> has this whole album that he has publicly, again, has publicly said this is an album about two divorces. Um, so we we should admire that. Again, we'll have the Christian and art conversation on another episode. We've been talking about it for a long time, but Rusty and I are both so cynical when it comes to music and stuff that we haven't done it yet. Because I don't think that come might be one as... to have with a special guest who might be in the Christian art world. Oh, little teaser there. Mm-hmm. Second thing I'll say is what was the second thing I was going to say? The second thing I'll say is this to follow up on what you just said. When we realize just exactly how lousy we are as people and that everything we have is a gift of grace, that I don't deserve to be preaching or ministering at all. The fact that I get to stand up in front of 10 people, or if I have three people listening to this podcast, or if I prepare a sermon and show up and there's seven people in the room there to hear me, that's more grace than I deserve. That's more opportunity than I deserve because the reality of who I am in my heart of hearts, to use your phrase, is I'm a sinner And the only redeeming thing about me is that I'm saved by grace and gifted by the spirit to do God's work. And so when I turn any of that glory and attention to myself, or when I start feeling like, oh, I deserve bigger and better opportunities. Yeah, that's that's a lack of realizing who I really am and who's really working through me. So like my friend David said, what if if I spend my whole ministry preaching to 50 or 60 or seven people and uh, it never gets bigger than that? Then I'm gonna rejoice in that. I have to be because I know the depths of my depravity and know that I shouldn't be allowed to preach to anybody. So the fact that I get to preach at all is just a gift, man. No doubt. No doubt. Well, I think that the old saying audience of one, super important, super helpful. Also a big daddy weave song, isn't it? Yeah. Great song has a B minor in it though. So I never played it very much. (laughs) Uh, but Again, and, and I guess we're, I'm going to have to like send a link to this Charles Stanley sermon on 
the one hour week podcast when I post this. He said when he walks up into the pulpit, he prays to the Lord and reminds himself, death to performance, death to approval. That's a platform killer right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Death to performance, death to approval. You have a platform. I have a platform. You're listening to us on a platform. And in just a moment, we're going to plug our other platforms for this platform. So ministry leader listening, you have a platform. Rejoice in that platform God's given you, but make sure that is a kingdom platform and nothing else. And if it starts to be a you platform, I pray that God would make the trap door open and let you bust your behind so you can get back up and climb onto his platform and start sharing the gospel with everybody you come into contact with. Christian celebrity death match. Oh. Battle Royale. Oh. Mercy me versus casting crowns. Who you taking? I'm taking the Texas boys. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think Bart's tried to lose some weight a couple times, but he's also a big boy. He looks scrappy. You know, I'm I'm, sure. I'm, my money's on Bart. I'm not sure how old uh, the lead singer Casting Crowns is. Mark. Mark Hall, that's right. Yeah. They they might have more people in their band, though. Yeah, Numbers they advantage. Do. They have several people. Um, Christian Celebrity Deathmatch. David Platt versus Matt Chandler. I guess we would just have to see who the Lord had... <laughs> predestined from the <laughs> beginning of the foundations of the world to survive. All right. Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley. Mm. <laughs> Swindoll's got the weight advantage. Wait a second. Wait okay. a second. Okay. Out of the tunnel, special music starts. Just like at a wrestling event. Uh-huh. The music starts blaring over the speaker. That's Both right. wrestlers stop and look at the end of the tunnel. The music is, because he lives. But it's not Jesus. It's, it's the, Bill Gaither. What? Bill comes in, hands oh, a chair man. to Stanley. Stanley knocks out Swindoll. Swindoll gets up and has an amazing illustration to start a conversation. That's right. And then Bill Gaither finishes him off. Finish him. Well, that was a weird ending. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Hey, uh, if you would enjoy still listening to us after this, um, we're not celebrities, but we're pastors and friends, brothers in Christ. And we're in the trenches with you. So if you'd like to listen to us, please keep that up. And you can track us down at Bro Rusty Mott. I'm at Jared Allier. We are at Hour a Week Pod, hourawekpodcast.com. Thanks, as always, to our friend and audio engineer guy. Is this Pato? Pat Overstreet? Is this Patrick Overstreet? He's Wait, that's not the handle. Nope. Is this Pat O? We'll talk about celebrity. He's come as close as any of us to be. Oh, a real yeah. That's so. what I'm talking about. All right. Hey, good luck at your preaching gig tonight. Hey, thank you, man. Um, by the time this thing airs, I will either have a large section of Bridge City, tens of people mad at me, mm-hmm. uh, or they'll be like, eh. But it doesn't matter. You just go hey, and preach the word. I don't need no platform. It's not about you. I'm just going to stand on that track. He must become greater. I must become less. Hey, that's right. That's right. Love so, you guys. On that note. Drop the mic. Drop the mic.